Thank you. Well, good morning. It's, it's exciting for me to be here. I'm, I'm actually really excited to be here. This is my typical day. My typical day, I get to, to work somewhere between 8 and 8.15, and then I just lock myself in my office till about 12.30, because I, I think for me, the most important thing I can do is prepare the sermon each week. And so kind of our rule at our place is, if the building's not on fire, don't knock. And uh, then uh, Dr. Graham called me with the opportunity to speak at chapel, and I thought, that's really exciting. Yeah, I'd, I'd scrap my morning, I'll figure that out, but I just think it's really exciting to be here. Uh, I remember uh, back when you get done with school, in a lot of professional schools, you, you take a board, a series of board exams, whether you take uh, state boards, you take uh, national boards, and, and uh, it's kind of a big deal, and boards are really expensive, and, and you gotta get through boards. So most, uh, most of the time, there's some type of an organization that will come through town, and they'll offer uh, board review types of classes and it's all weekend it's like friday you know from nine in the morning to nine at night it's saturday from nine in the morning to nine at night and then sunday it goes on and and so you sit there and, and they're just telling you here's what to study and organize your work like this and remember these things this is what you got to know for board exams and then they get to the last hour the last hour and uh, the guy says take your pencil out here's what we're going to do i want you to write these things down i just want you to think about these things memorize these the night before the exam and then never remember them again just, just forget it, just memorize it for the exam. And, and I'm hoping this morning that kind of the opposite happens. I'm hoping you don't leave here and just you know, wipe it out. I'm saying, I, I think this is gonna be relevant to everybody here. I don't care if you're a student, if you're a faculty, if you're administration. I think it's important to all of us. I think it's common to the human experience. I, I think God is, is gonna open our eyes and speak to us. So uh, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to the book of Joshua, Book of Joshua, if, if uh, some of you, you have your favorite books, and I kind of have mine. And Book of Joshua has always just spoken to me really loudly. And so we're going to just, just read briefly from that. But what I would ask you to do, uh, just out of reverence, purely out of reverence for God's Word as I read, would you just stand to your feet as we, as we read from God's Word, from the Holy Scriptures, and uh, follow along as I read Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Let's pray. So Father, for this, this morning, we're, we're grateful for your holy word. We say thank you that you, you didn't just leave us there. You've given us your word. You've given us your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would speak to us out of your word, that these wouldn't be the words of men, God, but that your grace would abound in my inadequacies. I pray that you would speak to each individual here. And I, and I always pray this, Holy Spirit, we come from so many different situations and we're headed to so many different situations. So I pray that you would speak to each individual right where they're at this morning as only you can do in a supernatural way. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Uh, question, how many of you like to, like, you like to go to the buffet? You like buffets? Who likes the buffet, right? Usually it's guys, right? Who does not like a buffet? Who doesn't like a buffet? Some people don't. My wife doesn't like the buffet. Uh, my, my wife feels like the buffet is, is it's, uh, it's, it's dirty. People got all their hands in there and they're grubbing in there and she, they're standing over the food. And I say, bring it on. Get your hands in there. Get you some. I don't care if there's a sneeze bar. I really don't care. I like buffets. Uh, and so we have one in Bloomington. We have a, a buffet there. It's called the 98-pound buffet. I have no idea where it got its name. Do you have to weigh 98 pounds to go there? Uh, do, do you put on 98 pounds when you eat there? But I, I just like buffets. And here's what I like about the buffet. I like about buffets the variety. And it's not even the variety of foods so much that I like. It's the, the variety of specific foods, like one individual food. Like, I like eggs, 
Eggs are comfort food to me. So I went to, we, we, we took my mother-in-law to a, to a brunch one time, and, and they had eggs. So they had, uh, they had scrambled eggs, they had poached eggs, they had like an egg bake, they had eggs benedict. It was every kind of egg you can even imagine, right? This, whether you know it or not, what we just read in two verses of the first chapter of Joshua is the fear buffet. There is every imaginable fear almost in two verses. So let me point out to you the fear, the amazing fear that potentially exists in the first two chapters. First he starts the book and he says, after the death of Moses, and then further, when God is speaking to Moses, he says very bluntly, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now just stop for a minute. Moses is all they've known for leadership. This generation, it's all they know. So remember, they've, they've probably heard tales of previously where Moses was the prince and he went away and he came back and the people were, were enslaved and life was miserable and Moses began to lead them up. And, and in fact, God used Moses to bring the plagues on Egypt. And then Moses was the one who actually walked them out of the country. He led them out of the country. And, and Moses was the one who would go up to the mountaintop and commune with God and bring that down to the people. See, Moses was the one who had, did, who had done that. And that's what they knew, is they knew Moses. And then Moses led them all around the wilderness for 40 years. He listened to them grumble. When they didn't have food, he prayed and God provided manna. And when they didn't have water, he struck a rock and God provided water. See, it was Moses. And now Moses is gone. And there is great potential for fear. See, fear could set in very easily. And then furthermore, he says this, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River. Stop. See, if you don't understand the Jordan River, you don't get the amount of fear that could be there because we find out later that it was in the springtime. And the Jordan River would swell massively to, to great proportions. And if your picture of the Jordan River is just this quiet, still river, that we're, you, your picture is wrong because it's the springtime and, and it's flood season and, and, the, and it was just this winding torrent of a river that would carve out land and he's saying, you gotta cause that, you gotta cross that. And then not only that, but he says, you and all these people, stop. See, now look. If it was just Joshua, that's one thing. Because Joshua, we know he's kind of rugged. He was a spy. He was in land. He was the warrior type. Like, we might even say he was athletic. Joshua was the, he's the kind of guy who'd do a warrior type run, one of these warrior runs. That's Joshua. But now here's what we know. We know that the nation of Israel could be as many as two million people, maybe two million plus. And he's got to get all of them across the Jordan River at flood stage. So the reality is you're going to have folks that don't know how to swim. And you're gonna have people who are 12 years old. And you're gonna have a five-year-old. And you're gonna have a six-month-old. And you're gonna have some folks that are crippling, some folks that are lame, and they gotta get across this river. And by the way, even though we can, it's hard enough to imagine getting all the people across, you gotta get all their stuff that they got with them. And that's all gonna get across the river. And then they got all their livestock and their animals, and all that's gotta get across the river. See, that would be great grounds for fear, but there's still more. Because he said, I want you to cross the river and enter into the land that I'm about to give them. Stop, what land? Oh, that's right, the land that the spies 40 years ago went into, warrior type of spies, went into the land, and they saw all the Canaanites, all of them, they saw the Amalekites, the great warring people, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and what did they say? We are like, we're like grasshoppers in their sight. That's what warriors felt. And now we're supposed to enter that land. Are you out of your ever-loving mind? There would just be room for fear there would be great room for fear. 
And, and I want us to see this this morning because fear is one of the most common human emotions. It's perhaps the most common human emotion. In fact, the most common or most oft-given command of the Bible is fear not, oh, some 365 times. Why? Because fear is so common. It's a common human emotion, right? Uh, do, you remember, do you remember as a kid being scared of stuff? How many, how many afraid of the dark? How many still afraid of the dark? You still got your nightlights? Yeah, right. How many of you are afraid of the boogeyman? Like, did you have your folks come in and they'd look under the bed and go, no, 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 I, I checked, I checked. They checked the closet. No, no, I checked, the boogeyman's gone. How many of you, uh, how many of you on your house had that, uh, on your block, you had that house? Did you, yeah, we had that house on our block and it was this creepy, creepy looking house. It was this big old rickety two-story and all the paint was chipped and, and there were these creepy bushes and no lie, as soon as it got dark, which in the winter is about two in the afternoon, as soon as it got dark, right, we would get off the sidewalk, we'd walk in the street past that house and then we'd get back on, why? Because we were scared, because we had this fear about that house. See, fear is such a common emotion and here's the problem with fear, it's actually kind of healthy, right? So think about this. Fear is the reason that you don't close your eyes and walk across Interstate 94 at rush hour because you have a fear for your life. It's healthy. God put it in you, and it's healthy. Fear is the reason that when you see a hot burner, you don't stick your hand on it. It's fear of self-preservation. That's a healthy thing. Furthermore, the Bible tells us fear God, but this is what Satan does always. Satan takes things that God, God creates and he perverts them, and he makes them into a terrible thing. And so for that reason, fear can be really destructive in our lives. Satan wants to take what is good, and he perverts it, and it becomes very destructive in our lives, see? Uh, I grew up in uh, Des Moines, about three hours south here. A lot of you know about Des Moines because you see it on the news. It's where all the celebrities and famous people live. And, and uh, believe it or not, not everybody that comes out of Des Moines is like, I've, I've actually never been a big star in a movie, if you can believe that. And so I grew up in Des Moines, and, and I was very blessed. I grew up in the church. My folks made sure that we were always at church. And I came to Christ at a very early age. In the third grade, I said, you know what? I want to be a follower of Jesus. That's what I want to do. And when I was 17 years old, I was sitting in a, in a service. We had a, uh, you all have a, a missions uh, festivals at your church, a missions conference. And we were having a missions conference, and, I, and I'll never forget this speaker. And he said, listen to me, I believe that some, some of you people, God is calling you to full-time ministry. And if that's your desire, if that's your heart, if God has put that in you, that you're going to be in full-time ministry, I want you to get up out of your chair and I want you to walk up here. And I said, God's called me to full-time ministry and I know that for sure. I'm very clear about that. So I got up, I walked forward. And so I got time to go to, to college. In high school, I lived with my father and uh, uh, my father had never been to church until he married my mother. Today he follows Jesus and, uh, and uh, so, but when it got time to go to college, my, my father wasn't really sure. I said, Pop, I want to go to a Christian college. He said, why do you need to go to a Christian college? It's really expensive. You, you don't need to go there. I said, Papa, I think I want to go into the ministry, full-time ministry. I want to go to a, full, a Christian college. And so he didn't agree with it, but he supported it. I went to a Christian college knowing that I wanted to go into full-time ministry. Started out in the ministries as a ministries major. And uh, uh, things were going really well. Freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. After my junior year, I went to uh, do a summer internship. Big church, large church. And they ran us ragged. They just ran us like dogs. And so... At the end of the summer, I was so burnt out, I was so fried that I said this to myself, I don't have it. Like whatever they have, I don't have it. Those men, those women, they got something and I don't have it. How could I ever have successful ministry and fear entered in? See, 
Here's where fear comes from, and you need to understand where fear breeds and where fear, fear comes from. Fear is bred in the tension between the what and the how. I knew the what. The what is, you should be in full-time ministry. I'm calling you to full-time ministry. Here's the problem. I didn't know how that was going to happen. I didn't know how that could possibly happen. See, fear enters in. I read this there today, 74,338 named phobias, named fears. 74,388 named fears. Uh, Anybody afraid of heights? Yep, I'm a little little with you there. I'm a little with you. Anybody claustrophobic? I'm I'm a little with you. Uh, Anybody afraid of clowns? You afraid of clowns? Right, right. Did you know that there's xenophobia? Did you know that xenophobia is the fear of the unknown? Like we don't know what we're afraid of, but we're afraid of it. Did you know that there is phobophobia, which is the fear of phobias, exactly. See, it's such a common thing. And here's where it breeds. Fear breeds in the tension between the what and the how. See, I knew what God had called me to, but I didn't know how to get there. And so fear breeds. And the problem is now that what that fear has done is it's blocked me from living out the ministry that God has called to. It stopped me from doing that. Right? It's the danger of fear when Satan perverts what God has already made. It's fear, and that's where it breeds. And you need to know that's where it breeds. Now, when you look at this story, look at this. First of all, he said, you're to go on with, with, without Moses. How? How are we going to? See, they didn't know the how. How are we going to go without Moses? That's all we've ever known. You're supposed to cross the Jordan River. That's the what. What they didn't know was the how. How are we going to cross the Jordan River? See, they didn't get that, and it would be easy for fear to sit in. Furthermore, you've got to get all these folks across. That's the what. How, I don't know. You're supposed to occupy the land. That's the what. They didn't know how they were supposed to occupy the land, and so because of that, fear can breed. And we see it all through the Scripture. Abraham, you're supposed to be the father of a great nation. That is the what. I'm 90 years old, how? You see what I'm saying? Joseph, you're gonna rule over your brothers. I'm gonna bring you to prominence. That's the what? Question, how? The walls of Jericho are gonna fall down. I got a feeling the whole time they were marching around, they didn't know the how. See, God takes care of the how. What's most important is that you and I are involved in the what. See, my how, my lack of the knowledge of how, stopped me from moving toward God's what? And I would say it's probably the same for a lot of you, right? So now uh, I go back to school. I'm going back to school, and, and I finish there, and, and I get out. And uh, uh, I, I got married in the, in the course of this, married my wife, Kim. And uh, so I had been really, really involved in my church, really plugged in. I've always loved to study the word. I know that God has wired me as a teacher. And uh, so uh, I'm involved, I'm involved, we get married. She, she couldn't really, uh, I, I couldn't really leave my church, so she just came to my church, right? And we were there a while, and she said, you know what, this will always be your church, because I'm always introduced as and his wife. This is Neil and his wife, right? She said, we gotta find a church that's ours. That kind of hurt me, but I prayed about it, I said, you're right, we gotta do that. So we started looking, we landed at Cedar Valley. 
I got involved at Cedar Valley. We became members. We got really involved. The whole time, I'd, I'd always been studying God's word, active in the church, always doing these things. So I, I got involved at Cedar Valley, started teaching, teaching. And pretty soon, Pastor, if, if you know Pastor Jerry Strandchrist, who's a pastor's pastor, great heart, he came up to me one day and he said, have you ever thought there's more to this? And here was my response. I've always thought there's more to it. I don't know how. Do you see what I'm saying? When we don't know the how, then fear breeds and it stops us from the what. And what I want you to know this morning, if you know nothing else, I want you to know the antidote when you don't know the how. Now at Cedar Valley, always at the end of our service, we do what we call the big so what. Because I believe this, I believe that when you read the scripture, you ought to ask this question, so what? In other words, have we gotten a greater revelation of who God is? That is significant, right? Have we been convicted of sin in our lives? Or are we being told to go do something? We read the scripture, we say, so what? So on the count of three, everybody say, so what? One, two, three. So what? That is a good question. I'm glad you guys asked that because we're going to look at the big so what. Here's what I want you to see today is the big so what. And the big so what is this. That when you don't know the who, or the how rather, knowing the who is more important than knowing the how. Knowing the who is more important than knowing the how. I want you to remember that. Now go back to the scriptures and look at Joshua chapter one. And look in verse two, at the end of verse two, he says, you're gonna go into the, river, into the, uh, the land that I, God says, I'm about to give them. Further, he says in verse three, I will give you. Go over to verse five, down toward the end of verse five, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. Notice the, the repetition of the pronoun I. God's saying it's not about you, it's not about your fears, you don't know the, who, you don't know the how, I, that's what you need to know. You need to know I. And further, because God kind of knows we're basically knuckleheads most of the time, look down where he gives him the reminder in verse eight. He's telling them, be strong and courageous. He's encouraging them. Drop down to verse seven. He says this, be strong and very courageous. Flip over, look at verse nine. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. He's telling them, but now he's gonna tell them why, what it is that gives them courage, what they do when they don't know the how. They've been given a what, but they don't know the how. And here's what he says at the end of verse nine, four, because the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is making it clear to them that you don't know the how. I know you don't know the how. Most of the time, you're knuckleheads. I'm telling you, it's more about the who. I've given you the what. You don't know how. Fear can set in. Focus on the who. I'll close with this story. Uh, I told this in church not too long ago, but about uh, uh, 15 years ago, buddy of mine calls me out, good, good friend, not a believer in Christ, but we're just best friends. I love him dearly. He's living in Las Vegas. He calls me up and he goes, hey, uh, Neil, I'm coming to town. Uh, let's get the boys together and go watch the Vikings. I said, oh man, I love to see you again. I love getting the boys together. I love to watch the Vikings play. I said, why don't you guys all come over to my house? We'll all get together at my house. We'll watch the Vikings. This is going to be awesome. He goes, hey, hey, no, no, man. We want to go to the Mall of America. We want to go to one of those places where there's a million TV screens. I said, oh, it's kind of not my thing, but okay, we'll just get the guys together. So we go to the Mall of America. We're going to watch the Vikings. It's a Vikings game. So the place is packed. I mean, it's just packed. And you don't sit. It's one of these places you don't really sit at tables. They've got the, the tall, round-top tables. You know what I'm talking about? And you can just set a drink on there if you want. So we're watching the games. You know, we're, we're kind of doing this thing. And I'm holding a Diet Coke. And, and pretty soon I just set my Diet Coke on a table. I mean, the place is just packed. People standing everywhere. You don't claim a table. You don't put chairs around a table. You just stand at tables. I put my Diet Coke on the table, and a guy standing across the table goes, hey, my buddies and I are using that table. 
I said, uh, oh, hey, man, we're, we're not looking to take this table over. I'm just setting my drink up on there. And he goes, I know. I don't know if you heard me. I said, my buddies and I are using that table. Now, I'm a skinny guy who's always just been blessed to have big friends. So I'm not looking for trouble. I said, hey, man, I'm not looking for trouble. I'm just setting my drink on there. And he goes, I'm not going to tell you again. My buddies and I are using that table. Now, unbeknownst to me, I didn't think anybody else was hearing our conversation. Unbeknownst to me, my buddy Renee walks out from behind. If you met Renee, you'd kind of just start laughing. Renee is about 5'8", and he trimmed down a little bit. He's chiseled, but he, now he's weighing about 220. And, and uh, Renee is good-looking, good-looking, dark hair, dark skin, Italian guy. He's got no, no neck, like his earlobes touch his shoulders, you know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, he's got a nose that looks like it's been broken about 12 times. It's probably been broken more than that. And Renee's actually been to the Olympics twice. He was in Beijing, and then four years later, he qualified for Atlanta. So I didn't know Renee was listening. So Renee walks around the table. He's all of 5'8". This guy is a little taller than I am. Hard to believe, but he's built better than I am. So Renee walks out, and Renee just parks under his grill like this. And he goes, the reason I wear this Olympic ring is because I've been to the Olympics twice as a heavyweight in judo. So we can do this the easy way, <laughs> or we can do this the hard way. You just tell me how you'd like this to go. That guy doesn't make a peep. He just walks away. And I say, hey, how you like me now? I put a Diet Coke on every table in the place. Now here's what's crazy. Funny guy, skinny guy, now is looking for a fight. Like I'm feeling like tough guy all of a sudden. Question, why? because I know who's got my back. See, I know who's standing behind me. Followers of Christ. Who's standing behind you? No. Who lives inside you? Because the most important thing when you don't know the how and fear starts to build is we focus on the who. Who lives inside you? Who lives inside you? We sang earlier, man, can anyone can anyone stand against our God? Who can stand the Lord? Who, who? No one. See, fear, I listen, I don't know what your issues are, and I don't know what your fears are, but I'm assuming you got them. You know why? Because I know my own issues. I got more issues than a newsstand, man. I'm, I'm, the, I'm one of the most insecure people you'll ever meet. And, and I don't live with a lot of regrets, but I will tell you this. I, I wish I had gone back and not allowed fear to stop me from moving into what God's doing. So you might be here this morning and you're a missions major and you say this, missions major, I don't know how I'm gonna pay my school bills. How am I gonna pay my school bills? How am I getting rid of this debt? How, you don't have to know the how. God almost always gives you the what before he gives you the how. He's going to take care of the what. Maybe you're a business major here and you say, how am I going to get a job? How am I going to get a job? You don't have to know the how. If God has called you to it, if he's clearly called you to it and he's given you the what, he takes care of the how. Maybe you think, how is God going to use me? Because I just flat out feel inadequate. Listen, God uses inadequate people all the time. And I learned this long ago. You know why? Do the math. It's all he's got. We're all inadequate. Who's adequate? I'm as inadequate. I got issues, man. 
If you're like me and you got issues and you feel inadequate and you're struggling and you, you've got fear building up because you've been told the what and you're not sure now because you don't know the how and it causes fear and it causes doubt, you don't have to know the how. You just focus on the what. We're going to sing this morning just one last time. And I want you to do this. Can we just do this for a minute? Can we just focus on the who? I, just forget your what. Maybe you want to come to the altar and, 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 and just say, God, I'm focusing on the how. I'm focusing on the how. You've already told me what. God, this is about you. Father, this morning, we commit this morning to you. God, you're the great who, who has called us all to some kind of a what. Would you forgive us when we worry about the how? God, would you take that away? Would you give us a revelation of yourself that is so powerful that it drowns out the how? God, be glorified this morning. Be glorified. You do your work in our hearts, oh God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand to your feet? Can we just sing one more time?